You hear all the bull about diet and exercise. Carbs are evil. Do more cardio. Never eat bread or cookies again. Just do a juice cleanse. We get it. We fell for all of the BS too. It's time to go right to the source with the truth about how to live a healthy, sustainable lifestyle. I am Liz. And I'm Becca. We are your nutrition educators and this is The Food Code. Happy hump day. Yes. Happy, happy hump day. It is starting to feel like summer. Nick and I were talking about yesterday how we feel like it goes from winter to summer. Super fast. Like there's no spring, but there's a fall. Like Mm -hmm. Chicago doesn't have spring. It's like cold rain and then it goes into hot summer. I'm here for it. it. I'm I'm, here for it too. I have zero problem with it, but I do have a problem with my husband who does not put on the air conditioning. What? Yeah. I was talking to him last night and I go... Because so our house is large. We have like a 4,800 square foot house and our air conditioning unit is in the back of the house by like Mm -hmm. Nick and I's room. And then the kids rooms are closer to the front of the house and our upstairs in general gets really hot, even with the air conditioner on. And last night I noticed it for the first time, obviously, because it like just got warm yesterday and I walked upstairs to go to give Taylor a bath and I was like, it's hot in Mm -hmm. our upstairs. And so it's supposed to be like high 80s this week. And I told Nick, I was like, we're going to need to put the air conditioning on. And he goes, we'll see what it's like tomorrow. (laughs) And I go, Nick, it says it's going to be fucking 87 degrees tomorrow. So we're putting the air conditioning on. And he goes, we'll put it on when we get home. I'm like, so we're going to walk into a house that's 85 degrees and we're going to have to wait five hours for it to cool itself down. Like this is the, this is the arguments that we have constantly because he's very into like turning off the air conditioning, opening the windows, turning it back on, closing. And I'm like, just leave it on. Just leave the air conditioning on. I feel like this is too much effort. He sounds so much like my dad. And like for our house, we have a a split level, tri-level house. And my childhood grown childhood home that I grew up in was very much, you know, the same where, you know, we all know heat rises. So in your house and my house and the house that I grew up in, Mm -hmm. it gets really, really hot upstairs. And so I actually was talking to some of our neighbors who have a, a identical house to this and they had a separate air conditioner put in just to heat the upstairs because it does get so hot. Yeah. But I remember growing up as a child, I would try to sneak downstairs and turn the air conditioning down. You guys, it did not matter how quiet I was. My dad knew like he would wake up out of a dead sleep if somebody touched that thing and he would go back down. He would always turn it to like 72 or 75. Like we could never have in the 60s. Yeah. Nick said last night, he goes, it says it's 72 in here. I was like, that's warm and that's downstairs like their rooms are probably seven high 70s low 80s oh my god and like carson's room doesn't have a ceiling fan so we have a box fan in there taylor's room we got a ceiling fan installed but it's just like it's too hot Mm -hmm. it's just way too hot and i am very like temp i I struggle with temperatures (laughs) like i'm either freezing or i'm really really hot and like there's no happy medium with me and so it's just i'd rather be freezing and have to put a blanket on than like be hot yes especially on like leather couches and like it's just yeah so this is where art and i were talking because i plugged in our oolers so oolers if you guys don't know they're basically pads that have running water and you put them underneath like your sheets on your bed and so we have one for his side one for my side and then you know you can make them cold or hot whatever i have to have the ooler because it does get so hot upstairs Mm -hmm. to keep the bed otherwise i just wake up like sweating my Mm -hmm. all my back is sweating everything and it just it's so uncomfortable then I don't get a good night's sleep and so forth. But I also can't, like when we were in Cancun, oh my God, you guys, our room would be either freezing, yes. like frozen, 
And then I woke the first day, first night we were there, I woke up in the morning like hoarse throat because it was so freaking cold. And then it would, if we turned it down, it would get super, super hot. And then you're like, you can't sleep and then you're sweating, it's uncomfortable. And so we just slept with it freezing cold all week because that's better than I guess being super hot. But it's just funny because now every night before we go to bed, I'm like filling up my Uller, making sure it's like all the way on low so that I don't wake up feeling like hot. And then Art doesn't like sound when he sleeps. So I'm like, I don't oh, freaking care. I'm it. turning this fan on and it's going to be on maximum and it's going to be blowing on me and loud because I cannot handle I hot. love the sound machines. Me too. And Nick gets really mad because Taylor's, so I put Taylor's monitor next to my side and I put it on like the lowest volume, but her room is right next to ours. So it's like a delay. You hear her and then you hear the monitor and he gets so mad and he goes, can you just turn the monitor off? Like I hear her when she coughs and then I hear it again on the monitor two seconds later. Like, can you please just turn <laughs> So here, here's my comeback to Nick, because where were you saying this when she was crying as a newborn and you were sleeping while right? Becca was up in the mm-hmm. middle of the night? Yes, because he was like dead asleep, dead asleep. That is men. They are just dead asleep. But whenever he gets and this morning, it happened again because Taylor goes through these phases where she wakes up really early. And the past few days, she's actually been sleeping. And like this morning, she woke up at seven. And of course, Not she sleeps for you. when Nick watches her in the morning. But when I have to watch her because Nick's working out she wakes up. Mm-hmm. And so this morning I get upstairs and I was like, is Taylor still sleeping? And he goes, you're mad, aren't you? Are you mad that she's asleep still when I watch her? And I was like, I can't. I just, no, I'm not mad. I would just like for there to I be some consistency. Like for there to be consistency. Carson woke up though. And he was up at like 6.15, 6.30. It's just, you know, that's he's normally the, super consistent. That's the hard part now because it's so light out. Like even putting mm-hmm. Marcus, like we've been putting Marcus to bed now later, closer to 8.00. Last night it was like 8.15, which I have a feeling since we saw Trish and Matt yesterday, he's like so excited and we're playing outside and all these things. So we didn't get inside till like 7.35 to eat. Then I'm like, okay, so long story short, because it's still light out, he's looking outside and he's telling me it's not time for bed because it's still light out. And I'm like, no bed. It's like 8.15. You've got to go to sleep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, we're also in like the monster phase. Oh, Carson. So there's a Muppets skit that is it's an old school muppet skit because it's this monster that eats bunnies um and it's to the stand by me and mm-hmm. so if you want to find this it's on youtube it's like two minutes long type in muppet stand by me and it's this monster called carl <laughs> and he, he it's it's this song the stand by me song and these bunnies are standing by him and then he's eating them oh. and so every night in bed carson's like is carl under my bed and he says Carol because he can't say Carl. So he's, is Carol under my bed? I'm like, no, Carson. Carol is not real. He's like, is Carol make pretend? I'm like, yes, Carson. He's make pretend. And he's like, is he going to eat me? I was like, no, Carson. Oh, my gosh. He's not going to eat you. Marcus told me that there's a monster at grandma's house or Baba's house. And I was like, there's no monsters at Baba's house because he doesn't say any of that here. We are in a bug phase. Mm, Carson hates bugs. So we were trying to go down the slide at the park this weekend and then also yesterday and he sees the tiniest little ant Mm -hmm. and he's like screaming, mommy, mommy, buggy, buggy. And I'm like, okay, let me just come over here. I will like wipe off the whole slide. I'm like convincing him for five minutes there's no bugs so that he can just go down the slide once and then we repeat and do it all over again. I'm like, Marcus, if we're outside, there's going to be buggies. Yes, we say that outside is where they live. This is their home. We can't inside our home. I kill them. Mm-hmm. No, I am. This is one thing I hate about summer. I hate bugs. I hate insects. I am not a bug person. I'm sorry if that makes me like not an animal lover. I hate bugs. We get stink bugs in our house. Ugh. My least favorite. We also get like hornets sometimes. And so like, I hate bugs. Carson is my child. 
he hates them so much and he like flips out if he sees mm-hmm. we've had moments where there's a, a um fly in the car <laughs> they're very traumatic car rides like very traumatic i'm not looking forward to that. and so it's just you know there's a lot of i mean he's there's a lot of emotion with him oh, there's yeah. a lot he is totally my sensitive child um taylor on the other hand is just like happy guys can be 24 7 it'd be like a bug crawling on her she yes even care. she doesn't even care she's so funny just not running down her nose all the time oh, anyways gosh. all right so anyways happy wednesday we were just excited to talk because Mm. We haven't been on the bike in a while. Uh, and so today we are not doing an interview. We do have some other good interviews coming up. Oh my gosh, you guys. We have Dr. Laura Brighton coming on in June. Very, very excited to have her on. She's going to kind of round out our menstrual series, which is going to be really exciting. We've got Cody McBroom coming back for part two. We've got a couple of other really good interviews coming up. So today though, you get Liz and Becca and we are talking mm. about digestion. And so First and foremost, before we dive into this, we are not recommending supplements on this podcast. We are not diagnosing anything, uh, but we're simply going to talk about some ways that you can support your digestion because there's a reason that you're experiencing you know, symptoms um, such as bloating, gas, indigestion, heartburn, constipation, acid reflux, diarrhea, cramps, gas pains, all those things related to digestion. Or maybe you're seeing, you know, stools that are not really formed. They are showing the particles of food. Like there's a reason that you're experiencing these symptoms. And those symptoms are your check engine lights. And digestion is one thing that is really, really foundational to optimal health. And it's not something that's going to fix itself. And so this is where, you know, I would say many people ask us, well, maybe I should just eliminate foods or I should just remove, you know, FODMAPs or nightshades or dairy or gluten or sugar or all these things. And yes, I think there's a time and a place for elimination, but the removal of foods should be temporary and it is only one part of fixing your digestion. Mm-hmm. So if you are struggling with any of these things and you want to chat about how you can you know, heal your digestion and heal your gut essentially, reach out to us. This is kind of what we do. We're kind of experts in it. Um, for the most part, there are some things that are a little tricky and you know yeah. that we don't touch, but you need to work with somebody to heal your gut because gut issues are complex. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to say, like, we have a lot of clients that have gone to doctors and they've done colonoscopies or they've done, you know, scopes and they really don't get much help. Maybe they're given like a PPI because they have heartburn or acid reflux. Guys, that's a Band-Aid. And we have a whole other podcast you can listen to on that. Yes. it is, And it's frustrating because I think, and in our experience, guys, again, we have talked about this ad nauseum. I am not against doctors. I think that doctors can be very helpful in specific areas and they are necessary and they are doing their best given the system. The system is the problem. But here's the, here's my main issue. Clients are getting written off as there's nothing wrong, even though you're experiencing symptoms. They are getting refused testing. They are getting told that they won't run certain tests because there's no reason for it, even though clients have symptoms, they have complaints, they have these things that are going on. And for chronic issues, it kind of becomes a, how can we band-aid the problem? How can we maybe manage some of the symptoms? Or uh, this is just what you're going to have to deal with. Acute issues, absolutely. If there's polyps, if there's ulcers, if there's really acute issues, colonoscopies can help, scopes can help identify these things. Unfortunately, what they're looking for are mainly inflammation and, like I said, acute issues. They are not going to find parasites, bacterial overgrowths, 
issues in the small intestine, you can get a SIBO test. Most doctors will run a SIBO test if you have enough symptoms. Um, But at the end of the day, they are giving you Band-Aids. They are giving you things to manage symptoms. They are giving you things to make the symptoms maybe go away, but not the problem. The problem is what we need to look at. There's a reason that you're reacting to foods. And if you're just eliminating a bunch of foods, you're not helping yourself. You might experience like a little bit less symptom wise, but if you're someone that's like, I can't eat this and this and this and this and this, and you didn't have a problem with those things 10 years ago, we need to address why you have a problem now. Like that is where the, the main root cause needs to come into play because most people just end up, oh, I don't eat X, Y, and Z foods. I don't eat that. I'm allergic or I'm, I'm sensitive to those things. Well, why are you sensitive to them? If you have a healthy gut situation, you should be able to tolerate most things. I'm not saying you should eat all of these things, but like you should be able to tolerate small amounts of gluten. You should be able to tolerate decent quality dairy. You should be able to tolerate most fruits and vegetables as long as, you know, the vegetables are cooked. Unfortunately, as humans, I think we're starting to see more and more in terms of like research and knowledge around how humans really aren't meant to consume mm-hmm. a lot of plants. So sad. Um, it is really sad. Brussels sprouts. Like cruciferous vegetables plants can be toxic to humans because essentially like plants have a defense mechanism in place. They're living creatures. They can create defense mechanisms that make them harder to break down and digest and absorb. And so if you're eating like lots and lots of vegetables and you're dealing with lots and lots of bloating might be the, might be the problem, mm-hmm. even though vegetables are quote unquote healthy. Um, but just removing these things is not creating the solution. What's something that we talk a lot about is think of your gut like a house, And if there's a fire going on in the house, removing foods is kind of putting out the fire. And if you're taking supplements but not removing foods, it's like trying to repair things without actually putting out the fire. You're trying to fix things, but there's still a fire in the house. And so we're not, so we need to do things in the right order. If we need to remove foods, okay, that kind of puts out the fire. But now there's damage caused from that fire of, you know, inflammatory foods, toxins, whatever it is. Now we have to repair. Now we have to repair the gut. That sometimes includes supplements. Then we have to repopulate and rebuild the gut. Also sometimes includes supplements and reintroduction in a smart way of foods. And then we have to make sure that we are in a good lifestyle moving forward where those things don't come back symptom-wise. And so a lot of people don't do all of these steps. And before we even get there, we want to talk today about a lot of simple things that mm-hmm. you can be doing to help with your digestion. Yeah. Well, and really, really quickly, I just wanted to share this because <laughs> you made me think of something when you were talking about like the vegetables and the defense mechanisms and why they're so hard on the digestive system. So guys, this can even include like beans and legumes. And so a lot of times what we are telling our clients is like, we need to soak things or eat sprouted, you know, nuts and so forth, because those are going to be easier on the digestive system as it does break down some of those defense mechanisms, such as lectins and so forth. But I had a client start with me um, a few weeks back and man, she was really, really miserable, like so miserable to the point she didn't want to eat. She felt like she couldn't eat, but yet she was still having bloating, loose stools, and just a lot of digestive issues, including uh, acid reflux. And so on one of our first calls, I, you know, I was like, this is probably going to shock you, but I want you to take out every vegetable from your diet. And she's like, what? Everybody else says, you know, eat vegetables. And actually her doctors had recommended that she eat vegetables. And I'm like, I want you to take out every vegetable from your diet. We are going to stick with some good quality fats. We're going to stick with good, you know, protein sources. And we're going to add in a couple of these, you know, supplements to start to give your body some relief. She really needed some HCL support. Two weeks later, 
She's having normal form stools. She feels really good. We're able to actually eat. She's up to like 1,400 calories. She needs more than that. But you guys, when you're coming from a place where you can't even eat, you have to build up slowly. And it's just amazing to see all of the things that she was told or thought were the right things to do. Because a lot of people think, eat vegetables. That's what's going to make me you know, feel better or healthy. Sometimes it's not always the case because your gut is in a different state. And so through this process, we had to remove some things. And so we're going to start to reintroduce. But I want to just share that with you because a lot of times people think that they're doing the right things and that it's just going to improve, but it's not going to improve unless you have the right strategy for your house right? Mm -hmm. You are an individual. For me, when I went through my gut healing protocols, I removed a lot of things for a period of time, even with Hashimoto's. And I know that certain types of foods inflame me more. I can still have small amounts of gluten here or there. Or like when we went on vacation this past week, I didn't gain any weight. I didn't have any digestive issues at all. I felt really, really good. But that is a, you know, a testament to the work that I have done over the course of the years to keep my gut and my my digestion in a good place. Whereas a lot of other people with autoimmune conditions, they have massive flare-ups. They're not mindful of things. Like I know how to navigate. I know how to eat even in those situations. And that's what we want for everybody because we want you to be able to go on vacation, eat and you know enjoy the things. We want you to have a wide variety of food because that's not only enjoyable, uh, but it also gives you a wide variety of nutrients. And so that's just kind of the disclaimer that we wanted to start out with. Um, but we're going to talk through four things that you can do today to start to support your digestion. Mm-hmm. So number one, this is really powerful. And I've actually noticed this too with my blood sugar, wearing the continuous glucose monitor, how it's impacted my blood sugar, is taking five to, te- five to 10 deep breaths before you eat. Five to 10 big deep breaths before you start eating. And even like during your meal, taking big deep breaths and kind of relaxing. So digestion and detoxification are both parasympathetic systems and processes, meaning they need, your body needs to be in like a non-stress state to be able to accomplish them. Yet so many people eat in a very stressed out situation. Like you're driving in your car, your kids are screaming in the back of the car, you're trying to get somewhere quick, or you're rushing in between meetings and trying to shove your face with the food that you have. And so eating on the go, not even taking time to like (laughs) allow our brain to catch up, not chewing food fully. That's a huge one. Digestion is a North to South process and it starts in our brain. So this can be really helpful because when you are taking these big deep breaths, this is something that has been shown. When you take 10 big deep breaths, it directly affects your cortisol situation in in your body. You are bringing your body into a less stressed state. Breath work is one of the only things that probably you can like actually control to control your parasympathetic system. Mm -hmm. A lot of the other stuff, believe it or not, is psychological. It's like you have to get yourself to calm down. Breathing is one of the only things that we physically can control like in the moment to calm down our body. So a simple example of how when you start thinking about food, like you start salivating, that's the brain, the north to south digestive. And so... We, as soon as you start smelling food, we start salivating. That's when our body's creating digestive enzymes. That's when our body's starting to work on stomach acid levels. Like all of those things prepare you for digestion. And there is multiple processes that are going on within the body to help you break down, digest, and absorb those foods. And so if you aren't even allowing that like, process to happen because you're grabbing food, shoving it in your mouth, chewing it as fast as you can, swallowing large chunks of food and then um, expecting to feel fine afterwards. You guys, we got another thing coming. Like you're probably going to be bloated. 
you're probably going to be constipated. You're probably, you might have diarrhea because your body is in a stressed out state. And when we're stressed, our digestive system pulls energy away to uh, basically acknowledge and manage the stress. And so less energy is in your digestive system and process and you don't digest food as well and you don't break it down and absorb it as well. So you might even be eating super healthy, super well, but you aren't getting the benefit from that food because you are so stressed and your digestion is not working how it should. Yep. Yep. So the second thing that you can do is eat undistracted. And this is really, really challenging. It's really, really hard. I am not going to say that I am perfect with it because it is something that sometimes I can't avoid, right? Like I'm, you know, going, going, going between uh, meetings. I do try though, if I have to eat like in front of my computer or something to at least take those five to 10 deep breaths, that helps a ton. But when was the last time that you ate without your phone face up next to you, you're reading or you're scrolling something or the TV on or your computer up with your emails. Guys, like technology is all around us all the time. I've even done days where I'm trying not to be on my phone and subconsciously I find myself all of a sudden with my phone in my hand. I'm like, shit, put it back down, put it on airplane mode, put it in the other room, do the things that you need to do to try to separate and again, get yourself into more of a calm state. But when we're eating undistracted, we are not actually even connecting with the food or the fact that we've eaten that food and enjoyed it and savored it. So we're going to eat undistracted. And I want you to look at your food, visualize your food. Where did it come from? Did you take time to cook it? Be thankful for it. You know, a lot of times we put so much effort and energy into cooking these delicious meals. And then we sit down and we eat them so fast. We don't even make the connection of how to enjoy and savor and taste the food. So really try to do that. I think, you know, this is something that I noticed even last week when we were gone on vacation, I didn't have my phone a lot and it was really, really nice Mm -hmm. just to go and sit and be at dinner and have a conversation. We got, you know, it was an all-inclusive, so we would usually get a couple entrees and try. One was usually good. The other one was usually leave it, you know, but we would try different things. And I was looking at the foods and the types of flavor combinations and the profiles and just being in the moment and being present and really savoring it. And so I think for a lot of people, this is going to be the most challenging one, but do it as much as you can. If you can't do it, you know, while you're at work or in the morning time, you're rushed, at least try to do this at dinner time. And again, pause after you've taken those five to 10 deep breaths, look at your food, connect with it and savor it. Mm -hmm. Number three is taste your food. How many times have you actually eaten something and like not even really tasted it, not remember how it tasted And then a lot of times what I find happens for people is they aren't satisfied with their food. Right. And then they look for chocolate afterwards. Mm -hmm. You're looking for something sweet. You're looking for something more because you were never actually present with your food or tasting it. And so chewing your food well makes a huge difference. I already talked about this. You should chew your meals five, I'm sorry, 15 to 20 times per bite. You should basically have mush in your mouth Mm -hmm. because your teeth are the only mechanical way of digestion that you have. Everything else relies on chemicals. Everything else relies on the chemical reactions and digestion within the body, including gastric juices, stomach acid levels. So if you don't produce those very well because of stress, trauma, gut issues, chewing your food plays a huge role. It's like until we get the other things back in line, that's going to be your best bet for getting this food as broken down and absorbable as possible. A big part of the digestive system's job is to also scan food for invaders. 
detoxify poorly undigested, you know, fermented toxins, filter food and intestinal bacteria, eliminate toxins and other unusable substances from the body. So the symptoms that you're experiencing tell us that things are not working properly. So unless you're working with, you know, a practitioner or someone that has a lot of knowledge in this area, do your part to help your digestive system out. Mm -hmm. This is a lot on you. Like no one chews your food for you. We are not birds. We do not chew our food and spit it to our infants. Like you are the one responsible. Do not eat like a wolf. Eat, chew your food multiple times. Really pay attention to this. I will say this is one of the biggest challenges I have. And I always notice it with like meat in particular, because meat obviously requires more chewing, especially like steak and tougher meats. And when I swallow a big piece of meat, mm-hmm. I'm like, damn it, Becca. Yep. You didn't chew it enough. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I struggle with it all the time. Yeah. I was actually thinking about that yesterday because I was trying to eat really quickly before I had to run an errand and I was like eating a steak and shrimp salad. I'm like, okay, wait, slow down. Take the mm-hmm. extra minute here. Um, okay. But number four is to balance your meals. And so what do we mean by this? Well, first of all, if you haven't worked with anybody for nutrition and you're not even sure what a protein carbon fat is, that's going to be something that you need to do to educate yourself. But Mm -hmm. balance your meals. Look at your plate. Do you see protein? Do you have a vegetable? Is that vegetable something that you can tolerate? Is it cooked in a way that you can tolerate it? Do you have fiber? Do you have good healthy fats? Do you have carbohydrates? Or do you just have a bagel or a bowl of cereal? Because a lot of people gravitate more for high carbs. They're quick, they're easy, but this is going to leave us with two problems. One, a really big spike in glucose because simple carbohydrates hit your bloodstream faster and there's no fiber, fat, or protein present to help balance it out and keep blood sugar stable. We have other podcasts on blood sugar, so I won't go into that too much. Um, But two, stomach acid is created in the presence of protein. We talk at nauseum about the importance of protein for muscle mass, muscle maintenance, all of those things. But protein is also very, very, very important for maintaining proper stomach acid levels. For example, we see, you know, vegan or vegetarians often struggle because they don't consume a high amount of protein and there's no animal protein present. They struggle more with having the proper amounts of stomach acid because the body stops creating as much acid when there's not enough protein present. There's no need for it, right? Because you're not consuming a lot of protein. So look at your plate. Do I have a balanced meal here? We always say from a blood sugar perspective uh, to eat your protein first and eat your carbohydrates last. That can also help. Um, But then I would even say, try to space out your meals a little bit. We snack a lot, Beck and I both. We run a little bit lower on the uh, low side of blood sugar, so we do snack frequently, but we have about two to three hours in between our meals and our snacks. This allows your digestive system to kind of have a break from digesting food. Now, there's a lot of people out there, there's a lot of research out there, and yes, it can even be beneficial for some individuals to space out food even further three, four, five hours apart. It really depends upon the individual. When we are working with our clients as practitioners, we're looking at the whole picture. We're not just looking at digestion, right? We also have to take into consideration blood sugar levels and how they feel because if you do run on the low side of blood sugar, then you might need to, you know, change your meals up a little bit, the balance of those meals to sustain you longer, or you might have to eat a little bit, you know, more frequently. So at the end of the day, guys, There's a lot that we can do to support our digestion. These are four very simple things that you can start doing right now, even before you start a protocol or you reach out for, you know, help and you're saying, hey, I am here. I hear you. My digestion is not normal. I want help. 
These are things that you can start doing. So just as a very quick recap, number one, you are going to stop, pause, and take five to 10 deep breaths before you start eating. Number two, you're going to eat undistracted. Put that phone down. Face down is even you know fine, but get away from the TV, the computer, the electronics. Eat undistracted. Three, chew your food well, taste your food, savor it. And then number four is look at your plates. Try to build balanced meals. Make sure that you're not just consuming carbs, carbs, carbs all day long because that will feed any bacteria in the gut that is not good. Mm-hmm. Bad bacteria feeds off sugar and carbs. So it's very, very important to get balanced meals throughout the day. Yeah. And a lot of people ask about like, well, how do I reset my gut? Or like, how do I work on my gut? Can I do a detox? And the problem is that restrictive things, detoxes, cleanses, you guys, these can actually do more harm than good for a lot of people, especially if you have a pre-existing gut issue. Like, guess what supports detoxification and keeping proper detox pathways open? Proper digestion. So if we work on the digestion, the detox kind of solves itself for the most part. And you can focus on detoxification. You can focus on certain types of foods that help with detoxification. One of the big ones is fiber. But guess what? If you have shitty digestion and you don't feel good when you eat vegetables, we're not going to be able to work on detoxification in that, pa- in that pa- certain pathway and that certain method because we can't consume fiber because you get bloated every time we do it. And this is why a lot of times we have to start with the gut. There Speaking of detoxification, we want to just like briefly touch on because I think a lot of people think about like a detox and juice cleanse or, you know, restricted eating or whatever it is. There's actually several pathways within like the two phases of detoxification that your body goes through when exposed to toxins. And it impacts many organ systems, including digestion, cardiovascular, kidneys, liver, skin, respiratory. That's why a lot of times when we see people with like acne, psoriasis, skin conditions, we immediately know that this person probably has a little bit of an overburden with the liver. There's too much that their liver is trying to process, whether it's too many supplements or you know medications, whether it's poor food quality. There's a lot of things that kind of tell us when we have symptoms like that. But doing certain types of cleanses often feel good, like it's like a jump start because you're restricting or you're cutting calories, but you can become really dangerous with detoxification pathways that aren't open to ridding toxins. So what a lot of people do is that they take these things that flood detoxification pathways, but if your detoxification detoxification pathway is not open to detoxifying, whether you're constipated, whether you have too many free radicals, whatever's going on, you can actually end up in a worse place. Mm -hmm. And so please do not do these quick fix detoxes that like, probably are going to make things a lot worse in the long run, even though initially you feel good. You probably feel good because your body's stressed because you're restricting calories or you're just drinking juice. Like there's there's a stress response that initially makes it th- makes us think that we feel better. It happens a lot of times when people remove carbs. You have this like initial stress response from the body that people are like, my energy is so much better. And yes, for some people when doing properly, you can feel better removing certain carbs for a certain period or certain carbs. But we need to understand that these can do more harm than good in the long run. And so please do not jump to taking prebiotics or probiotics or doing these things if you haven't addressed like what the actual issue is, because for some people, taking prebiotics especially can make things worse. And if you don't support the gut bacteria flourishing, taking a probiotic is kind of useless. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And so again, it has to be something that's strategic and it has to be something that is individualized. So if you need help, you can always reach out to Becca or myself, shoot us a message. If you have questions, you can always email us info at fitmomlife.com. We can always talk you know, with you about your personal situation, your struggles, but detoxification or digestion issues are a sign that something is going wrong. They are your check engine lights. And if we don't fix these things, down the line, it impacts many, many other organ functions in the body and it does not support optimal health. So we just wanted to give you guys a few things that you can start doing on your own and we'll be back on Friday. It's a fiery Friday fire. Thank you for listening to The Food Code. If this episode resonated with you, please share, rate, and review as this helps us reach others around the world. With that, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Love you guys.